0: this, this past time
1: <laughs> yes and hello guys gals and non-binary pals welcome to the next episode of the noobs and knockouts podcast i'm austin i'm a knockout i've watched a lot of wrestling
0: uh i'm david i'm a noob and and, and a bit of a rebel around here because i actually have not watched a lot of wrestling a <laughs> someone some someone say i'm a punk
1: uh-huh. I, I don't know how to make cm fit in there um Anyway, today's episode will be the July 11th, 2011 ish episode of Monday Night Raw. And I just thought of this like today, but I'm going to point out and say that this episode is a follow up to episode six uh, that is uh, is titled um, Breaking the Fourth Wall for Fun fun and
0: Profit. And
1: And I bring that up because this is a because, like, now that we're kind of getting into the swing of having actual storylines that we follow on this show you know, it might be hard for a new viewer to necessarily jump into this particular episode, or they might just like to have a little more context than I'm going to provide on this episode. Look, at, where look we've at you being a so
0: media host.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it is episode six. Uh, that's easy. That's You can search for that on Spotify and on YouTube. We have uh, uh, a uh, YouTube uh, playlist now for all of these storylines. So you can just like it's super easy to find.
0: I just want to point out to everyone like what a fucking MVP Austin's been about this whole thing. Like like I I my whole job around here is just to say some pretty words in the back half. Austin does like the whole rest and it's it like blows my goddamn mind how good he is at all this.
1: Uh it's fine cuz I feel like David has the very pretty words that I couldn't do so like fine I'll just make up for it and be super into like the technical side well like it,
0: it, that well i i i don't mind helping out but like but but i but i i just want to like give you a shout out for like all the goddamn like good shit you put into this because because i'm just yeah. over here like watching all the stuff you do behind the scenes and i'm like damn look, look at him go i'm so <laughs> proud
1: all right back to the episode though. that yes. is so we are now two weeks from the pipe bomb promo, and that is really the, the major thing that I will I will recap that is at the end of the last of two weeks ago on Raw, my, uh, CM Punk sat down on a microphone and basically broke the fourth wall a lot and referenced a lot of things that never get referenced on WWE television.
0: Yeah, dude, it's it's it it was it was glorious. It was amazing. It was the most Shakespearean of heel speeches. I was very happy with
1: mm-hmm. it. And it's all part of a larger story of CM Punk. His contract is running out in WWE, but he is also in a WWE Championship match. So Punk is threatening that he's going to win the title and then he's just going to quit hmm. company and and run off with the title classic move
0: absolutely classic move you hate to see it
1: so what happened a week from the episode that we're watching today uh basic basically punk was suspended immediately is i don't remember when they announced this on i assume they announced this on social media at some point in that time frame but on the show because on the show it starts he's already suspended but basically vince mcmahon was like yeah fuck you punk you're suspended You're, you're, it's, it, you're done, pal. Hmm. And so this episode that aired on 4th of July, which played into a lot of things on this episode, I probably won't mention them all, but it was all very corny. You know, there was a whole feud over who would get to lead the crowd in the Pledge of Allegiance.
0: Oh, wait, I remember you mentioning that to me in the prep work at some point.
1: Yeah, because I was like, man, this is corny and dumb. But anyway, so John Cena comes out to start the July 4th episode and is all like... And does and does a thing that Cena does all the time, which is he's all he always he likes to respond to his opponents saying mean things to him. He likes to go, well, i don't I don't like what you said, but I respect your right to say it. Oh, uh,
0: God damn. okay, okay. No, that, that that's that's part of the reason we have uh, John Cena's exist today, sure.
1: yeah, but it's all very annoying because because uh, one of the things that I think. One of John Cena's greatest weaknesses as a performer in his time in WWE is he de- is he never really acts bothered by anything that happens to him, and that makes it harder, in my opinion, anyway, to buy into the narrative because you have this hero who is above it all, like gets gets insulted. Meh, you have a right to say that, but I disagree. Loses modern,
0: you see, his like modern filmography, and 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 he's had some like very funny like. Like things where 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 he's able to derive comedy from how bothered he gets by 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 things. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah like, why get, not
1: play that up? Right, but and like it's all part of this invincible hero persona. Like lose a match? No, yeah, well I'll get him next time. You know he ne- like he lo- like he is a he's won a world championship in WWE oh, a dozen and a half times to- a dozen times and it never really bothers him that he lost it. And it's like, well, why? Then I don't care.
0: Yeah, no, it, they they almost made him like like too virtuous and too invincible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to like an alternative is is you know, we wa- we recently watched Hulk Hogan when he lost the title, dude was nearly in tears.
0: He was, "Oh my god, he had a fucking breakdown. It was hilarious."
1: It was, but it also makes you care as an audience because your champion cares.
0: Yeah. It's I mean, I mean, I mean it, it made me che- care in like the cheesiest of ways, but at least I felt something.
1: Yeah. So any, but anyway, John Cena kind of takes up this attitude of like, I don't like Punk. I barely respect him as a performer. I don't really respect him that much as a person, but this is morally wrong. Like Punk didn't do anything that, you know, breaks TV PG rules. He just said a bunch of stuff that Vince McMahon doesn't like. So Vince McMahon punished him. And that isn't right. They do explicitly invoke freedom of speech as part of it. But that's but that's but that's kind of it. Cia, John Cena doesn't like Punk, but he takes up Punk's cause in this instance, and it kind of culminates in this. This started the show, and they end the show with you know they build up all night that Vince McMahon himself is coming to the building to confront Cena about this, and so Cena and and Vince McMahon have it out, and Vince McMahon he kind of plays this like you know he's doing what's best for business, pal, and you need to get in line john no nobody's more important nobody is is more important than the wwe no one is irreplaceable
0: yeah no that that sounds about right for vince
1: so he holds he holds firm in his convictions to keep punk suspended john cena he's like fine if this is what this is if this is what this company has come to i don't want to represent this company as the champion. So he tries to surrender the WWE championship to Vince and walk out. Hmm. And, and initially Vince like, Hey, you get back here. You son of a bitch. <laughs> but then eventually, but then eventually when that doesn't work, Vince gets desperate and instead uh, acquiesces to Cena to what Cena is threatening. He's like, fine, fine. C punk is back. But just to make sure it get one over on Cena. in the end, he says, well, you know, Punk will get his title match, but if you lose the title to Punk Cena, you're fired.
0: Oh, okay. Adding the stakes. All yeah, right. Yeah, no, we're right.
1: adding stakes now. Like two guys who could be leaving the company, regard depending. You know, storyline wise, Cena's obviously yeah. not leaving. Yeah, <laughs> that so part yeah. storyline, but. You know, you have this story where you won't know which of these two men will still be in WWE if either of them are by the end of the night, by the end of this by end of the end of this whole feud. Which which I want to point something
0: out kind of off the bat here is uh the one thing I will a lot of times give the WWE writers room a lot of credit for mm-hmm. is their ability to uh to even make Obvious setups feel a little bit unpredictable because, you know, mm-hmm. obviously the 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 uh um the outcomes of the matches are pre scripted. Um and here we have uh um Vince McMahon telling Cena, like, if you lose you're fired. Um and hearing that, without even seeing anything, like the obvious answer is okay, so Cena's gonna win, beat the heel, uh, and not get fired. But I also know the WWE writers' room is fucking nuts and that they could they could <laughs> They could, they could absolutely have seen a lose, and then pull some like absolutely weird shit out of their right out of their asses, uh, and do and, and and find a way to get them reinstated within the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I want to just give a quick like shout out of praise to to WWE's like unpredictability, even when the answer should be very obvious.
1: Yeah, and I think also what what it also kind of gives this shadow of a doubt to is like you said, there's no way that Cena's gonna win, right? But then now, but like before that, you might argue it would be a little obvious in story for Punk to win, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's the one threatening to steal to win the belt and leave the company. Well, that's the more interesting angle. So surely that's what's going to happen, right? Yeah. But now, but now you the story goes if Punk does that, Cena's fired. So it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe he w- Maybe Cena will win, and Punk will just leave uh, all, a little unceremoniously, but leave nonetheless.
0: Yeah. They'll. They'll. They. They are. They're. They've got at- it. They've done they've done a good job at like layering the stakes, which I think is cool.
1: Yeah, and so and something else I also thought was cool in this episode is that like something I think that WWE writing doesn't do very enough is that they don't they don't make it seem like this is an actual like regular like in in kayfabe this is a fighting league where people where matches are kind of put together in a way that as as part of filling out a show and they don't always do that very well in the sense that like they love to do these angles where like at the start of the show two guys or four guys will get in the ring and start yelling at each other and then they'll be like and then they'll have the authority figure come out and say oh yeah you guys are fighting so tonight in the main event you'll Um, find it's like and it's like what were you gonna do in the main event before these guys all decided to air their grievances
0: yeah it feels it feels a little cheap to like to to point that out as like plot hole plot hole but but the fact that they rely on that trope so heavily is it 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 gets a little
1: stale which is why i I appreciate that on this episode they actually don't play on that they announce a number one contenders match for the as a replace to find a replacement for CM Punk, and then they go through with it. Nice. Alberto Del Rio wins the match to become what is considered the number one contender, which now adds like, what's he gonna do? Because he rightfully won a, a championship match, but then but then is like, no, nah, if I want to fight Punk, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my God! And and, and Del Rio is a great character to do that with too. It's mm-hmm. his, it's his pompous ass uh, doesn't always do well getting thrown by the wayside.
1: Yeah. So it's it's I I again I was really appreciative that like they don't pretend like oh yeah Punk's gonna be back. They're gonna re they're gonna put the Punk match back on by the end of the night. So why do we need to act, act like we need a replacement? No, they acted like they needed a replacement before yeah. it or the story organically came back to and Punk is back now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was very, imp- I was very happy.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I, I would be too. Or, I, I, am excited already. Like, damn, summer of punk. At least starting out, I'm, I'm digging it really hard.
1: And so, I guess the other, the kind of the other major storylines to talk about, uh, for the from the July Fourth episode is is kind of mainly a lot of, everything's kind of wrapped into the build to the Money in the Bank ladder match itself. Like, we already know all, eight, all, all eight, eight, eight people who are wrestling in it. And so an interesting kind of, they don't always do it this way, but they, have, they, they kind of put together the match, and, like, they took a lot of pre-existing character rivalries and kind of just, they're going to get all thrown in the ladder match. Uh, the biggest example would be Alex Riley and The Miz are doing their whole, like, Alex Riley was The Miz's protege, and then The Miz mistreated him, so Alex Riley wrote, rose up to become his own man. Like, they're they're doing that stuff right now, and they're in the ladder match against each other. Uh, meanwhile, you have kind of Alberto Del Rio, R-Truth, and Rey Mysterio, who are all kind of, like, hovering around the WWE Championship. They're all kind of, like, they're all, like... They're all, like, fighting to be the next man up for whenever this punk thing is resolved. So they're all in the ladder match together. Uh, Continuing stinks. Yes. And then Evan Bourne and Jack Swagger are doing a thing where Evan Bourne is little Flippy Guy and Jack Swagger is Big Mean Bully and little Flippy Guy doesn't like Big Mean Bully. But they're in the ladder match together, too. The really odd man out here is Kofi Kingston, who is in the ladder match. But he is currently kind of st- paired off with Dolph Ziggler and Vicky Guerrero in, in terms of like his storylines right now. No. So, it- so he feels a lot less, Im- at least to me, he feels a lot less important to this to this match to this multi man ladder match.
0: I will say though, happy we're getting more of Kofi. Love me some. Yeah. Kofi.
1: Yeah, he's great.
0: And 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 really love that we're getting some more Vicky. <laughs> hey. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, Vicky is definitely on this episode. Uh, what gross thing will Jerry Lawler say about her this week? Oh, fuck. I forgot Lawler's still around. God damn it. Yeah. And, and like Lawler's cleaned up a lot of his act by the time we hit TVPG. He's now more dad joke than he is sexist thing. <laughs>
0: and racist but, thing. But he, homophobic thing. Yes.
1: But he, he still makes some time to be kind of pervy on the divas, but it's not nearly as bad as it's in the 90s. But don't worry, he's still an ass to Vicky Guerrero, who, like, he just kind of calls old and ugly as, many, t- and ugly. as many times as he can get away with it. Mm. Mm. On, like, on the July 4th episode, he does this long-running gag, long-running kind of joke, where he's like, well, oh, it's the 4th of July, but Dolph Ziggler thinks it's Christmas. And Michael Cole's like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> And Jerry goes, well, Dolph Ziggler's around here looking like Santa Claus. Wherever he goes, he brings an old bag with him.
0: Oh, no. Oh, my Christ. Shut up, Lawler. It's
1: like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Shut up, Lawler. Jesus. But, yeah, that's a thing. Of
0: course it is. Of course it is.
1: And then uh, the Divas Championship, uh, the Kelly Kelly and the Bella Twins are still going strong. It's great. Sure. It's it's not really going anywhere interesting. It's just happening. That
0: literally, they were just they were doing the same shit last time we were in this era. What?
1: The- yes, uh, I mean, I would think that you know a submission match would be you know a definitive end, but it's not. You know they're still fighting, even though Kelly Kelly has beaten the Bella Twins at least twice now. Plus, she won the tag match they were in on the July Fourth episode. So like this is very one sided, but they're not really going anywhere new here. I then, then why this is what I don't get about, about how the divas
0: get treated because like on one hand, like you, you, you have them being, being put on TV constantly, like as if this was a thing that gets respect, as if, as if this is a, a storyline that people care about, but then they just absolutely do nothing with it. I don't understand like the, the, the logic behind any of this. <sighs>
1: uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's 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 a rough going, but don't, I, right. I've already plotted out when we're gonna get away from this era. I've already. Oh,
0: cool! I can't, tried. I can't, I can't wait to finally get to, to get another like three minutes of Kelly Kelly and the twins just going at it for yep. reasons.
1: gonna be great. Yeah, and then uh, and then I guess the other storyline that's kind of bleeding into Raw a lot is Mark Henry and the Big Show, and that's kind of not gone anywhere. Super new in that, like, after Mark Henry brutalized the big show in the cage match, you know, Big Show has been off TV for the most part, you know, selling the injury. So, yeah. Mark Henry has just kind of been a terror on SmackDown. Like, he, like, <laughs> like, like he kind of, he beat, like, he wins really quickly and easily. And then he, like, goes around and, like, y- attacks, like, innocent bystanders like he's like he attacked like the terms of like the tech crew and the announcers like he's just intimidating them too (laughs) sure all part of a really strong here character but it's kind of spinning it's it's kind of currently in like the same spot right now
0: at least it's all i will say at least it's like only like a week of limbo like it could be worse
1: yeah it's 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 not been very long to be in limbo but it has been in limbo from where we were last time fair
0: Hey, you know what? They they're they're waiting they were waiting for us, Austin. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> Yes. They're they waiting know. for they're they, waiting they for a podcast ten years from now. Uh,
0: Where we're, we're we're one of the hosts just just absolutely adores Mark Henry and and is loves ever loves whenever he shows up. So so yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thank you. Ten years ago, WWE writers, uh you have my eternal gratitude.
1: Hey. Well uh, that about covers what we need to cover for this portion of the show as I said it's, it's kind of quick because it's only been a week <laughs> you know there's there's only so much I could have ch- I could have needed to talk about
0: I, it's, it's kind of exciting though to, to, to go into something that's happened so fast after uh, the last kind of set of stuff we did
1: Yeah for sure like we, we've we've not really had this kind of a quick uh, we've not we've not ever at this point had this kind of a quick like this second episode follow up to the next episode is so recent.
0: Yeah, no, uh, it kind of it kind of adds a nice sense of continuity to things. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. excited to kind of veritably pick up where we left off.
1: Yep, and so uh, we are going to now go watch um, the July 11th 2011 episode of Monday Night Raw. See you guys in the back half. And we are back. We have just finished watching the July 11th 2011 episode of Monday Night Raw. Oh man, what what a what a, a a opening and ending a roller coaster,
0: dude. This was this was an episode that was really that really loved its backstage shenanigans and and uh, and and big aggrandizing uh, speeches, and I I I kind of loved it. Just just like uh, um how hard it leaned into just just how much CM Punk loves to talk. We're just gonna like make that the motif of the episode.
1: Yeah. Um. Like CM stuff where CM Punk is talking can has to comprise like 30 minutes, at least of an hour 40 episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. Seriously. At the very least.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't keep too close a track. I just did notice that like when they advertised the main event segment was next. I was like, Oh my God, there's still 20 minutes left on this video. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they, they really, I, I, I kind of go back and forth on this because I, um, CM Punk loves to talk and I kind of like on one hand how kind of like slow and plotting he can be and how he talks sometimes can kind of like mm-hmm. get old but like damn I love the attitude about it and I love I love just his his persona and I love um, I love the fact that the crowd was eating it the hell up too. like if it, it may feel a little like kind of overlong at times but mm-hmm. but damn if it doesn't feel in character and the character doesn't feel fun as hell.
1: Yeah, and, and 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 you make a good point about the crowd kind of eating it up, and it's kind of, like, I, it's not necessarily surprising, I don't think, if you really thought about it, but it is super cool to see, like, this character who is a heel, who is kind of, who is really, like, buying, getting the crowd to buy into what he's saying because they believe what he's saying, too.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It, they, they, it, it feels like the, the whole, like, make- punk a heel with this angle completely backfired because he kind of accidentally or I guess on purpose in his case spoke so much truth power that mm-hmm. the crowd actually caught on with it and they were like hey yeah what the fuck this guy this guy rules fuck Fitz McMahon
1: yeah I i I don't know enough about the backstory of this angle to know um, how much intentionally he kind of becomes a good guy they definitely lean into it they start leaning into it late eventually well yeah the, that crap, because you can't You can't it ignore it yeah but I, I don't know how intentional it was for him to become a good guy from this storyline i i
0: wouldn't well i kind of wonder because you know the, the wwe loves playing into the trope of of uh the rich pompous people who think they're smarter than you are the worst and we hate them and you should hate all of them uh, always right. uh fuck smart rich people um right and this is and this is very much like um, CM Punk, the common man, um, just complete, completely uh, inc- incarnating that whole that whole motif, mm-hmm. uh, and like it's played off in a way that that like a bad guy would do, and it, it's it's done with all the same kind of like inflections that Punk tends to have when he gets on a mic, um, but that right it's written in a way that like there there's there it's it's undeniable that what he's saying feels good to hear and feels validating feels vindicating uh if you if you care uh, at all about this this kind of business and this this industry having any sort of integrity so i don't i don't know what they were going for because the the tone contradicts the 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 words
1: yeah i don't know what they were going for i just know that it worked
0: Oh, in, in, insanely well, um, and and it, it also helps that punk is just such an uh, a charismatic performer um, that, as much as I kind of hate to like uh, go like 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 kind of be cringy and take it seriously when he said like like in anybody else's hands this is just a microphone in my hands this is a pipe bomb, I don't disagree with that statement entirely mm-hmm. he he seems to have far more influence on the mic than any other any of any any of his other contemporaries at
1: the very least yeah he 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 has this he has an incredible charisma when he's talking it is at, it is his hundred percent greatest quality across his entire career and
0: I, I mean on top of being an insanely gifted uh, he was. Uh, uh athlete too
1: yeah he's he's a great he's a fantastic wrestler in his own right um but his but there are plenty who outshine him as a as an athlete and as a wrestler there are very few if his contemporaries who outshine him if if anybody depending on how like you who in terms of when he was a wrestler who could outshine him on a microphone
0: yeah exactly um and and The the thing is too he's so, um, he's so self assured that even his um, his his, him and his most kind of like diabolical in these segments, uh, you you kind of can't help but feel for him. Especially, especially with the context that you gave me of like these were kind of his real feelings about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, um, he was deaf. And- like, like he was deaf. Like he talked. He talks about like he 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 kind of he frames a lot of his feelings in in the story as a frust- as his frustration, and he's tired. He specifically says he's tired, and he was at this. He was this is kind of he was at a very he was in terms of his like he was kind of burning out in terms of his mentally. From being in WWE at this time and kind of feeling like he wasn't being given opportunities he felt he deserved and this was kind of one last hurrah that he was allowed to have and so a lot of it is it, it not only feels real but it is real a lot of his emotions are very real right now
0: and I kind of have to sympathize with him too because mm-hmm. I mean I mean aside from kind of like the the more uh, you know serious business gripes of of you know Vince McMahon is the biggest bully out there but he has like this whole giant hypocritical like anti-bullying campaign and uh and the the way this company is run on a whole kind of sucks his anger over kind of being shafted uh for his in in terms of kind of like his his share of the publicity pie mm-hmm. um is deeply understandable when he has such an undeniable magnetism about him like mm-hmm. you can't like like you, you cannot uh, have a guy who's that um, – just just simply that good at attracting a crowd and then do nothing with him and expect him to, like, not care, mm-hmm. uh, which, I mean, I guess this is their way of making up for that, um, but it's, it's – uh, his 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 anger and his frustration there is kind of palpable, which then adds to even more why this works so well and why he's able to like get the crowd so much on his
1: side. Is yeah, and I I think that like <clears throat> is it I think if nothing else, this story easily resonates with the hardcore fan base in a way that WWE doesn't always do because they don't always try to cater to that fan base. Yeah, this this feels like Punk's. Punk was saying everything that, like, the hardcore fans, the internet wrestling fans, as they're called, he is saying everything they have ever they were thinking in 2011. That you know, John Cena is only where he's at because he's an ass kisser. He Punk is a phenomenal wrestler who's being held down. Vince McMahon is a hypocritical asshole. He doesn't. Who doesn't give a damn what the people want? Yeah. Which
0: which the really astounding thing then is how much the writers kind of give credence to all that because we have in in this episode. I mean, in, in past episodes too, but like this episode specifically, we have John Cena being that way and kind of and kind of giving off that that whole kind of like obnoxious, um unearned authoritarian vibes, uh, and we have um we have McMahon being this this petulant child um who just spends the entire episode um and and you know the the recap from the last episode showing off just uh what a what a kind of unhinged lunatic of a businessman he is um that he he'll like swap from kind of subdued and and professional to like absolutely losing it in a second uh just just based on the, the the most random like triggers, the most random mm-hmm. things that get to him. So so like they present from all sides this this image that yeah punk's kind of right. And and ugh, God, I hate kind of calling WWE of this era like like daring or anything, but it is it is it does feel it continues to feel kind of unprecedented that they were willing to to basically turn to the camera and say he's right, you know?
1: Mm-hmm I mean, it was it was is it, is kind of a dare. It's kind of a little bit daring for its own time, and it is it is kind of cool to see how all three of the main characters here of Punk, Cena, and and Vince play off of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Vince. You know, we've, we've already we've talked to plenty already about Punk as kind of as the voice of the voice of the voiceless as he calls himself, but mm-hmm. also as this voice of of almost true of truth. And anger and resentment all coming out. And then you have Cena, who... who he is so condescending <laughs> in this episode.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like... Like, we, we've we seen before him kind of, like, cut these, these promos where he kind of gives off this, like... This, like, disappointed dad vibes or whatever. And you mm-hmm. talked about how the crowd, like, really didn't like him sometimes. And I kind of didn't see that at first. But, like, this episode they really played hard into him just kind of being a condescending prick the whole time. Uh, and I was like, ooh, that's like, not a good look.
1: No, nah, he, you know, the first half of the, the, the beginning of the episode, he talks to Punk, you know, more kind of one-on-one is as, 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 as re- regarding their match. And he has this, and he does the kind of thing he does always now, always does with, it is the one and only response he ever has for these, for when, um, they do this storyline idea of like P- Cena doesn't deserve his spot. Me, who is a who is the best wrestler, deserves that's his spot. He kind of mm. does the exact same promo of like yada yada yada. I work the hardest, you know. I've won the title. I'm the champion. I've won the belts. Yada yada. everybody says that I don't deserve it, and then I beat them. <laughs> Which he makes a fair point. It is a fair point. And like this, it's kind of the number one problem of storylines that kind of play into fan perceptions of Cena in that they don't make sense in kayfabe in that like, it is easy for fans to look at Cena in a, in a critical meta eye and say, yes, he, he isn't really that good of a wrestler compared to many of his peers. But in kayfabe, John Cena is a ten-time ch- world champion. You can't really make any real arguments that he isn't good. <laughs> but, but like, but with,
0: with the summer of Punk, we're in this weird we're in this weird flux because like a like you know we're we're in for for the past god however many years at this point we we eighteen years we we uh, we've been in the 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 post cure for the common show world. Where, where any last semblance of kayfabe got absolutely shattered. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have Punk doing the Pipe Bomb promo, whose whole, like, gimmick is blurring the line between between reality and kayfabe. Um, so we're in kind of this weird limbo um, of Schrodinger's kayfabe <laughs> where, um, where it's simultaneously, like, like, based on kind of what'll get the biggest reaction out of the fans will simultaneously play into, like... Everything in the in our in our show is is real reality. Uh, how do you feel about that? And also, hey, we know you guys what's happening. Uh, we guys, we know you know. Uh, crap, I can't talk. We know you guys know what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, and we want you to get mad about that too. Uh, it, it's they. This is them kind of in this weird way, having their cake and eating it too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you think about it for more than like 10 seconds, it makes absolutely no sense. There's no consistency present.
1: Yeah. And I think that somehow manages to work anyway in that. No, I don't, I don't disagree. I I, I want to clarify.
0: I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just a Mm -hmm. thing.
1: Yeah. And I think this is absolutely the best version of the, of the like popular internet wrestler says John Cena sucks as a wrestler. Cena disagrees by pointing at the number of belts he's won. I think this is the best version of it, and I think that's because Punk is an absolute master, as I said last time, last time in episode six, at, at, at like, blurring these lines but not breaking them so much that they don't make sense anymore in storyline.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, I, ironically, that part of the promo was kind of like when Cena felt at his least condescending because he was, like, making a cogent point.
1: Yeah, but don't saying, ah, worry.
0: He'll be- you watch your attitude there, Bucko.
1: Yeah, but then he'll be back later in the main event to eat to really lean into that into this when he like when he when he like comes to f- wag his finger at Vince McMahon and CM Punk.
0: Yeah, and then and then CM Punk is the yeah no that that one felt really weird because like um, we had this kind of great uh, this great. Uh, scene between between Punk and and McMahon um wherein like again we had that great fluctuation between like McMahon the cool-headed professional the like uh, Punk would say one thing that got under his skin he just absolutely would like flip for a second uh and we had Punk the almost like jokerish mastermind just in control of the situation the whole time and it had this great kind of tension to it it had this and great yeah. like humiliation and aspect yeah, to he- it yeah, and he, knows, uh, and
1: he knows exactly what to say to get Vince McMahon mm-hmm. to flip and thus prove his own point prove Punk's point.
0: Yeah, no. And and, and they, they use that pretty effectively. Like it is it was fun to ha- to see those moments where Vince would just like get up out of his chair and be like, no, wait a second. Um uh or didn't he flip the table? Um
1: Punk flipped the table okay. eventually. Um
0: uh, but but then like but, the, but Cena comes in and like uh, it it was this interesting thing. It, it worked for me for the most part because again, mm-hmm. Cena was kinda like the, the the second demon floating around in, in Punk's head, and, like having him there to kind of embody some of that shit too worked. Uh, but there was this really weird moment that like felt way too on the nose for me, which is a weird thing to say about uh, WWE because like mm-hmm. everything's on the like it felt like cartoonishly on the nose where um, where Cena yeah he's wagging the finger. He's like, you two are acting like children, and it was literally it cuts to like punk and mcmahon like like pointing at each other like oh, yeah, yeah, start- he started it yeah
1: no, that <laughs> like, was, like- that was, you
0: know, that's a that's like a weirdly like cartoony element to throw in here mm-hmm. um and it kind of like that that, that it, it was this weird moment of like why are we saying that cena's right like why are we like
1: yeah and i think fe- because i and i also feel like a lot of the story like other than this that moment is making Cena the bad guy, as much of the bad guy as they ever let him be.
0: Yeah. Uh, but in the very in clearly, that really, like a like a pompous
1: he, Yeah, he make, it makes it feel like Punk is right about what he thinks about Cena. Especially yeah. in this back half of the promo where he starts getting really obnoxious and like what this thing that he brings up in the when he feuds with The Rock, too, is that Cena at this point in time, because between Punk and and The Rock. He really leans into this idea of him being a workhorse and thus morally superior yep. like he he calls that uh, in this in this episode even he kind of called to he kind of calls back to the rock when he first came back to the wwe in 2011 he says like finally the rock is home and he's never leaving again punk rock's words and and cena like takes this literally and is like huh see well where you at now dwayne <laughs>
0: uh yeah that kind of that kind of like
1: to be fair yeah to be fair to cena wrestling fans also did that at this time and i always felt that was weird because like no people he has a he has a very successful movie career he is not literally coming back to wwe full-time ever (laughs) ever no
0: don't don't like he
1: just meant that he's not gonna distance himself from wwe and ever again like he did kind of in the mid 2000s when he was trying to get his acting career off the ground Mm -hmm. like no like he that's not what he meant when he said he's never leaving ever again but but that works i think for cena being kind of like a work finding moral superiority in his in his own work ethic and then he calls this out to punk on punk 2 by they all kind of call each other hypocrites and i think that and i think it kind of works almost punk works the like Vince McMahon is a hypocrite for kind of portraying himself as this, um, as as an upstanding, you know, jov almost sometimes jovial businessman when he is a bully and a monster, as Punk calls it out. Mm-hmm. Cena calls Punk a hypocrite for kind of suggesting himself to be the voice of the voiceless and and having and and his as Cena calls it phrases it demanding the the support of the people when punk isn't even committed to staying in the company (laughs) Mm -hmm. he's six days away from quitting and at the end of the night he does suggest that yeah fuck it i'm leaving yeah cena considers that a hypocrisy i don't necessarily agree but the but the show doesn't necessarily paint cena right to begin with It's, it's, it's really
0: interesting to me because like, because for a lot of this episode, I don't even know if it was like the writing on purpose or if it's again, just how utterly like magnetic CM Punk's personality is. Um, but it feels the whole time, like he's pretty much right, but then at the very end, like he still kind of has that like crazy evil, like that, you know, that, that, that like (laughs) angry, uh, heel rage quit, uh, when, when Cena kind of like socks him in the face um mm-hmm. for, for for comparing him to the to the to the yankees um which yeah which, is- which
1: which gets to um the hypocrisy of cena which is i which i which man it's a lot basically this whole night is some of cm punk's most iconic work but that in particular that whole line and sequence of of what he was going at is extremely iconic where he where he brings up that his, Cena's from boston and uh, cena Crafts a persona around himself of at least an everyman or an underdog in many ways. And Sam Punk's like, dude, you're a 10-time champion. You're not an underdog. And, he, explicit- and he, he goes at the Red Sox for thinking themselves to be underdogs when they're still not. Which is relevant because this in 2011, the Red Sox had, had kind of grown into being a championship sports team yeah uh, by that by by that point so he is kind of on point with that and then he explicitly says that you've become tell Cena you've become what you've hated you, you hate you're the New York Yankees you're the dynasty <sighs> and we it's funny that, I'm, I'm glad that I happened to mention uh Cena's propensity to just not let things bother him because we see that in the show but then we also see like what it takes to make him bothered
0: yeah um, which, I, it that was that was a really cool moment to see, um, and and I was gonna say like it felt like this weird like last second about face of like saying Cena's right and um, and Punk's wrong, but but now that you kind of put it like that, I don't think I see. I, I think I think it kind of ends up on like all these motherfuckers are kind of crazy, uh, and we're just we're decide decide for yourself like mm-hmm. like kind of which hypocrisy is the easiest for you to swallow um which i think is ultimately still punks um but but kind of still giving them that him that like angry heelish rage quit allows him to kind of keep that edge and not just go straight off too quickly into being like being like he's the he's he's the voice of you guys now he's your good guy have
1: fun which he, which he's not. He's brave. He, like, he does like he doesn't really fit very many. He doesn't really fit very many molds of being a good guy. Kind of the the one big one that Punk fills is is kind of speaking truth to power and ha- and and kind of being the voice of the people is kind of the only <laughs> kind of traditional good guy hero mold that he does fit.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. But. At the same at the same time he's mm-hmm. still like is this conniving manipulative um, uh, uh, super villain in a way um, who is gonna kind of take that that inkling of justification he has um, that that kind of I'm the only one who with the balls to call this out sort of thing mm-hmm. and then just completely exploit it for his own gain, go completely in the other direction and um, Making him this kind of almost like anti Vince McMahon, where he's still the one that where he's still there, like dictating ridiculous terms of a contract specifically designed to to screw over, humiliate, and otherwise make miserable someone who he personally dislikes.
1: Yeah, and and the fans eat that up because the person who they he Punk dislikes is Vince is McMahon, McMahon. But at this, but that still doesn't make Punk morally in the right for doing so yeah and,
0: and it kind of leads to this question of like how much of this subtext was on purpose mm-hmm. but at the but but i also i also feel like uh if you're asking that you can also acknowledge like even if like some of this wasn't like explicitly meant to like read like that uh mm-hmm. you know if, if these layers weren't like really intended to be there i think there's still something that like you inherently feel um that, that can connect you to those layers just because it's so, like, uh, it's just such a, a chaotic situation from start to finish that, like, there's kind of so many emotions to grasp at that you can kind of find your own reading in this, um, which I think makes this even more fun to kind of, like, talk about and analyze. And even just, like, the first time watching it through, just kind of, like, trying to wrap your head around all the different kind of moving parts here is wild.
1: Yeah, this it is. It is, this is so. it was such a complex segment in a way that wrestling isn't always very complex Mm -hmm. and and i'm not saying that's bad sometimes the simplicity of wrestling is quite good and that's but it is very fun to see wrestling kind of get into these kind of a a kind of nuanced take here
0: No, no i i i agree and again even if that like even if that nuance wasn't like thought all the way through the fact that it's kind of like there for us to 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 analyze regardless just kind of based on all the layers that are there is is kind of a fun phenomenon um Mm -hmm. and 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 i and i think too there's 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 this really um um i don't i'm not quite sure the right adjective for it but this this sensation of oh my god um they, this is this is kind of like so new in mm-hmm. in a lot of what they're doing here, like like a lot of this kind of like a lot of this promo work is really unprecedented in how they uh, how they present it. That it just kind of keeps you in a little bit of a shock the whole time. Like this is I, I'm I'm glad uh, in the front half I kind of mentioned this sense of tension that I got of you never you you can never be fully sure like what the predetermined ending is going to be for the most part. Mm-hmm. This was like. Even more so, you're not really sure what's going to happen moment to moment because they've got three very dynamic characters in there, all of whom are kind of stepping outside their usual boundaries in these kind of big ways to all kind of clash. And this could be a case of like, you know, anything can happen. There is no really clear set path for how this could go. And that kind of adds this extra like fun sensation of Mm -hmm. we have no idea what's going to happen and and kind of be along for the ride i guess
1: oh yeah no definitely like this this is this is this is among kind of the best i've you know you look at like what can make like the best of wrestling and what kind of can make it great i think that this kind this story in this episode covers that
0: completely agree 100 percent um it, it's it's which is funny because the main event didn't really even have any wrestling. Um, this was this was a very kind of like acting heavy show. It um, was.
1: They there are four matches and none of them are that long, super long or super significant.
0: Yeah. No. Um, so it, it's it's like it's it's really funny because like on one hand it's 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 far from like the exemplary version of of using wrestling to move the plot forward because like the, the way wrestling was used to move the plot forward in this episode was like administrative. It was very much like all of the behind the scenes politics that goes into like putting together a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but like the writer's room just kept flexing and flexing and flexing the whole time. This is probably the most I've reacted to like line after line after line in any episode we've watched thus far mm-hmm. of just so many good lines were dropped. So many good moments were, were kind of put out there Um that you kind of forgot that there should probably be more fighting going on here Um, because like, yeah, they, they had it in there. It was satisfactory enough. And then we get to the, to the, to the really crazy shit. That's, that's like just people talking at each other.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm willing to forgive it in that, like, this is the go home show to a paper, to a pretty major pay-per-view. It's generally kind of considered at worst, the number five show on WWE's, uh calendar and considering that the other four the bigger four are like the first four pay-per-views that wwe ever had and were the only pay-per-views they had until 1993 like to be number five is a big deal and in some people's eyes money in the bank is that could kind of can slot in at number four yeah no no so like this is a pretty big level show relatively speaking. And so they do and uh, when it comes to like in-ring stuff they're kind of taking it easy cuz everybody is kind of in the places they want them to be at for the pay-per-view. So we're just kind of going to let it let it stay where it's at and kind of do our best to convince people that they need to pay 60 bucks to buy money in the bank. And
0: and like I also have this kind of view of it of, you know, for as much as I, it, it is kind of an inherent flaw that uh, in this episode, like, of a wrestling show, the wrestling is so secondary. While that's kind of an inherent flaw, I also kind of don't mind it. Because I think back to every other contemporary era thing we've watched and what's been our biggest complaint? Filler 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 mm-hmm. so much fluff so much shit that does not matter that drags on for so long and has absolutely nothing to do with the main plot this was focused um this i i did for for not a single moment of the fighting felt like yeah okay i get it mm-hmm. uh, the 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 whole time um the, there was there was no fat the only fat was just kind of how long like punk's monologues tend to last and that's like that's fine but like there's no like just fluff match that means absolutely nothing
1: no so uh, i'll kind of take it like over like every other. like every like whether you like the stories involved or not and some of them i don't <laughs> <every> <laughs> well. Ma- we'll get to, I we'll talk about that the ones yeah, well. i don't every match did advance a story in some way uh, yeah, probably the least important match was the Cena match with the tag team champions.
0: Yeah, that was just there to show off Cena.
1: Which, uh, like, the per- best segue I'm ever going to get to talk about handicap matches. Yeah, you it had to range about
0: this and have some thoughts, so I please.
1: do. So it was a handicap. So to be clear to everybody, it was a handicap match, which means it was one on two. It was John Cena versus both of the tag team champions, mm-hmm. uh, my David Otunga and Michael McGillicuddy. Mm-hmm. And Cena won, and it kind of touches on the part I, the thing I hate the most about handicap matches, which is, in in story in kayfabe, everybody is a professional fighter, top of the line athlete. With that in mind, one guy should not be beating two guys. And especially not two guys who are the champions of 2v2 fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, you make, like, I am strongly of the opinion that when you have, you run these handicap matches and they, and WWE loves to run them and they love to have the underdog win, that'd be the man of the lesser. It makes the larger group look like dorks. Because they, yeah. can't, because they have a two-on-one or sometimes a three-on-one advantage and they still can't beat a guy. Like, that's the kind of, like, sure, that happens in, like, movies and stuff, but it happens to mooks who are intentionally written as, as not that good. Like, they're written to get beaten up. That's why they're mooks. And I don't think you should be making top level tag teams in in the story especially your tag champions look like mooks that that can't even beat one guy even if it's the champion
0: well i i i kind of figured that would be your main issue with it too and I'm glad I'm glad it was because kind of the thoughts I wanted to give were kind of piggyback off that mm-hmm. of I because I've never seen a handicap match before.
1: what's this it hap- happened to be our first experience with it
0: yeah i don't know how they tend to go if i had to guess a lot of the time it's going to go to the one over the two because the whole felling the giant trope just in a different form um uh, um which is which is kind of interesting because like i don't necessarily mind the felling the giant trope uh to an extent because like they're usually pretty good at how they write those and and how sparingly they use them um but like something about watching this match as just kind of like its own isolated thing felt very unrealistic. Not even like not even just like the the whole like how the hell is John Cena beating two guys? Um, but every but like something about it it didn't feel like convincing. Uh, like there was something it, 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 and yeah it, it was something more than just like the fact that it was a 2 on 1 and the one ended up winning but like Cena wasn't really selling that well um the 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 kind of some of the hits between between him and the tag team were not really not really connecting for me just like it something about it felt like ever so slightly off and really unrealistic and just like so clearly a work that I'm like how did they mm-hmm. like at the very least, they should have been like more competent in like communicating to each other how they're gonna sell this in the midst of doing it. Like it just mm-hmm. it looked it looked physically kind of unconvincing. On top of the whole like, how the hell is one guy beating two? Like, like it didn't sell that well, which was which yeah. was kind of disappointing to watch.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it was a little bit half ass in that. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it felt like you know like. Every outside of my own annoyances with, with the logic, internal logic of handicap matches. You know, it did kind of feel like a match where like everybody knows who's gonna win here, Cena. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody knows the match isn't that important. So like who cares?
0: <laughs> yeah. I feel like there are some cases in which a handicap match could work. Like, if we're really if we really wanna play off like and, and up till now kind of like screwed over underdog um finding his like superpowers and just like going beast mode like yeah there's, there's... That once in a blue moon would be really cool but this was not the case to use this it yeah, like made like... no sense other than just like the anonymous uh, commissioner wanting to be snarky at cena for a little okay. bit
1: yeah, like, and I agree. I'm, I'm not suggest. I'm. Not, I, I don't want to suggest that like you can never, ever do a scenario where someone wins over a group that has a numbers advantage over him. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any trope in wrestling that you can never ever use. Well, I mean, we
0: kind of had that uh, in the Bernie Lee episode with with uh, Wyatt Call versus the Shield and the numbers game thing.
1: Yes, that was a big story of that match, and I think. yeah that was the big story of that match was was being able to create numbers advantages for yourself and what that how that works as dynamics and but i but i am suggesting that one WWE overuses the trope especially in particular overuses the handicap trope the handicap match trope like it's something they do semi-frequently as as yeah as like a bog standard like overcoming the odds kind of a character yeah. and, and story dynamic. And that to me just both is boring and fucks with the logic enough that it annoys me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it especially, was, just,
1: especially like, when it, especially when the tag team champions get dragged into it. Like I, like this also kind of goes into a personal belief of mine that like you should protect your champion, that your champions should be considered, should be presented as very good strong competitors because yeah. they are champions and so having the champions of two-on-two wrestling lose to one guy just to me just makes it even worse that you did this is the way you did it
0: yeah no and and like it was even more frustrating because they started off the match with the with the tag team dominating obviously right. um and we were kind of reminded uh about like how talented they are as a unit um, mm-hmm. pulling off some really good moves and then just kind of out of nowhere for no reason other than Cena just felt like it. The tides got turned it's
1: matches, matches wrapping up. <laughs> so yeah,
0: it, 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 there was no story to the mat. Like this was just purely extraneous, mm-hmm. um, it, which is, which, Again, it was just, like, and to the point where uh, even Cena's submission move, the STF, which, you, I mean, according to you, was never convincing, but, like, that just, like, was the cherry on top that, of
1: the, like, the, bag it doesn't, of the I milk mean, milk that, care. admittedly, that one was a little bit worse than even usually it is. Oh, God. <laughs> at, least, at least, usually, at least, like it's hard to explain this to people who are just watching this and have never seen the move and don't understand what it's supposed to look like but basically part of the move and the part that Cena always fucks up is that you're kind of supposed to like wrap your arm like put like push your arms up into the other uh, to uh, someone the other guy's chin as a lever as kind of like a is like that's 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 what's kind of supposed to be hurting a lot and Cena puts it in very lightly and so it looks extra fake and not painful but at least usually cena's arms are usually on the guy's chin they're Mm -hmm. just not really pushed in anywhere but in this match cena's doesn't even have his arm doesn't he's not even touching the other guy's chin he just like has his arms looped around the guy's chin
0: (laughs) yeah no it's like outstretched and you're just like what are you doing dude yeah
1: and i think it's been theor- i think it's been theorized before that cena is just like because his arms are so bulky that makes it more difficult to make it work and not like actually hurt anybody but it's like dirt then just do it don't don't do that don't, move. yeah just modify the move do something different this isn't hard like why why are you committed to this one
0: yeah it, it, like, why is this your weird hill to die? I don't know. Um, I know. So that that was, it, so that match was kind of extraneous. We have we have another fucking divas match, which only lasted a minute and a half.
1: Minute, and a minute forty one. I counted.
0: Minute forty one. So and let's... was also a lot of nothing other than just having the twins be catty toward Kelly Kelly.
1: Yeah, we we abs- we first we've decided like. I guess somebody decided that the fact that you know is that Kelly Kelly as as the champion has beaten the Bellas pretty definitively multiple times now. So like, shit, we got to sell their next match, their last match against each other. Uh, I know what we'll do. We'll have the Bellas imply that Kelly is anorexic.
0: Yeah. What?
1: Which is, uh,
0: like, like, I remarked to Austin during during the segment of of. Uh, Jesus, like, like, at, at this point, divas matches are just how much misogyny can we fit into two minutes? It's a and fucking marathon. Is
1: a lot, actually.
0: A lot. Because, because, because not only uh, are we having, are, are we having, you know, again, just the general disrespect that all the divas got implicitly for how their entire program was set up. Not only are we having the, the Bella Twins make really problematic comments about Kelly Kelly's, like, figure, but also, we have the twins on commentary sitting next to Jerry fucking Lawler who spends the whole time aggressively macking on them. And on Kelly. Kelly.
1: Yep. And on uh, kind of
0: too, but like, Jesus. It's just like all of the awful.
1: Yeah, it was really bad. And I'm ready to move on.
0: Me too, because there's like nothing else to say other than just like... That was pointless and problematic, and Jesus Christ! That the matches in this in this episode did not fucking matter.
1: Actually, ready to move on in a lot of contexts. In terms of this podcast, in terms of uh, this storyline, and and um, this feud, even Not this feud, but like this match and this storyline, which yeah. thankfully Money in the Bank is where this thing ends. Mm-hmm. So, like, thank God we can at least do something else.
0: Yeah. And in and, and in this time period we got th- like three years till Divas is done being a thing. Thank
1: yep. you. And but uh, <sighs> uh, uh, this only the only part that I even liked was a bit of a neat appearance of Melina. Who um, was one of the I guess kind of, I guess a standout of the divas era I guess in as much <laughs> as anyone can truly be a standout, yeah. but it was kind of neat to see her in that I didn't th- I thought she had already left WWE by 2011 so I was like oh I didn't realize she was still here yet she was still here yeah
0: <laughs> yeah but like again they get barely any sort of match no. um. Kelly Kelly has to do just kind of wins. Yeah, just kind of wins pretty easily because of course she does. Uh, she uh, th- this part stuck out to me. She did. She did a stink face on. on oh yes, um,
1: okay. So for people who don't know what re- what don't know wrestling moves. Uh, a stink face is when your opponent is sitting in the corner and you back up and you shake your ass all up in their face yeah made made famous by Rikishi who was Samoan and had a very fat ass yeah. and so it was a matter of, it, was, it was very much even when he was a regular wrestler there was a whole lot of like a humiliation thing of oh my god this fat dude is 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 forcing you to just inhale his ass but it's 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 been it's being used as a women's thing for titillation maybe maybe <laughs> It's hard to tell because Kelly Kelly does a very bad one in that I'll let I'll let David finish explaining. She like like like
0: there there was no like pressure to it. There was no anything. It was just like she kind of like vaguely like like shook her butt on on Melina's face very lightly and just like to the point where it was pretty it, it, you could kind of assume, at least I assume, that Kelly Kelly was probably. She it came across like she was really uncomfortable doing that move, which I think is just a great encapsulation of the entire divas era, of of all these of mm-hmm. all these women who like were who had you know so much talent uh, mm-hmm. and and potential to, to be to be really impressive in the ring, just getting absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of being forced to do their own version of jobbing by 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 suffering humiliation and degradation, put down after put down and humiliation and degradation, all because they thought they might get a little bit of extra money out of out of some dudes in the audience being horny over over fitness models. Like yeah. like that was it. That's the whole point. That's the whole thing. And it's so encapsulated in just that one move, and it's just—it's painful to watch. It's painful yeah, to watch. Yeah. It's sad to talk about. Jesus Christ! Uh... All right,
1: new moving on. New, new storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk the money in the bank stuff. All I right, was, was was not that necessarily was groundbreaking, but you know, not bad, of... not bad. I don't think
0: I would say that was the highlight match of the episode. It um, was. Um just it was because a
1: very low bar to meet that, but
0: it was and it wasn't a particularly like tense or high stakes match or anything again, because all these dudes are just gonna be going at it again next week for the pay-per-view. This is just kind of like a precursor that that the anonymous uh anonymous commissioner just right. decided he wanted to put on. The second one of the episode I should I'm point glad
1: out. I'm also glad that I casually brought up the concept of like it doesn't feel like they planned anything before the episode and like what the fuck they would like asking your storyline logic of like, what would they have done if the, if everyone just did didn't have a pre a predisposition to stand in the middle of the ring and air their grievances yeah. Um, because yeah, they do this. They use this trope in three ways in this episode in that um, the CM Punk contract negotiations at the end is, at the very least, Punk brings it up on air as part of his promo as a thing he wants to do before it's announced as that's what's going to happen. So it's kind of played off as a, as like Punk came up with the idea on the spot, and and uh, the first match with Cena and and the tag champs is a is an impromptu match, and then. They do the thing, which I was—I was was telling David. We meet David. I was kind of playing. I was kind of messing with him. The whole this whole segment of like playing, like they use a lot of the very common tropes that they do for Money in the Bank ladder match buildups of like. And I was making fun of it, as in like they have this. It starts with the Miz sitting on a ladder next to the Money in the Bank briefcase hanging down, directly
0: directly under it.
1: Yeah, like, I was like, that's a the thing they do all the time. And then, of course, he starts talking shit, and everybody else eventually wanders out and starts talking shit, which was all fine. And then it leads to them having a match, which is uh, which is the trope I, he talked about, is the general manager was like, ah, oh, well, there's six of you in the ring, so let's have a match. Yeah, which, which doesn't even kind
0: of make its own version of sense, because seven of them showed up, um... And we're just kind of leaving Alberto yeah, Del Rio yeah, out. Alberto Del Rio just
1: like hangs out in his car, and he's like, "Ah, right, well, I guess I'm not in the match."
0: Yeah, but then he comes in at the end anyway and wrecks shit. Uh, yeah, I which like I also want to throw in that like this this whole time like the entire stage, not just the ring, but like the stage around it too, was like adorned with ladders. And like, no, they're
1: really sin- nobody they're, like, used them. symbolism of the Yeah, they're like really trying to show you, like, hey guys, remember how there's a ladder match? Yeah. It's pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, and like again, there's not too much to talk about for the match itself. Like there wasn't a whole lot of impressive work that went on. Uh, it was just it was pretty standard um I I I can't yeah, I can't really think of any any like big like work things to talk about. Um but but then the highlight comes in that like for some reason, yeah, Alberto Del Rio comes in after just kind of, like, getting excluded from the... Like, from the, okay, the, when the,
1: the match, like, when the match ends, they do the thing, which I also made... Another trope I made fun of, mm-hmm. of like, in tag matches, when chaos devolves, like, everyone starts hitting their move, their big moves on each other. In season, yeah. And they do that after the match, which I was like, yeah. oh, that's neat. They don't always do it then. They usually do it <laughs> before the match ends. So they yeah, do no. it at the end. And then Del Rio just runs in with a ladder and just starts nailing everybody with it yeah no well
0: i, I want to say like even the submission was really low-key like who was it it was it was it was it was riley uh, uh pinning miz right
1: No, he pinned swagger he like he
0: swagger yeah he, like okay.
1: he just like stopped swagger from doing his big move and then he hits swagger with riley hits swagger with his big move and then wins and that's it
0: yeah it, like the whole thing was like weirdly subdued uh, 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 once again, Alex Riley's here for, for, for Austin to be disappointed in his existence. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, I, and I will say it in his face.
0: You, I, I'm, I mean the most fun part of this again was like the promo cutting beforehand.
1: Yeah. It was a lot. Cause everybody
0: that- playing their like favorite, you know, everybody playing like their kind of best hits of character beats. Um and it all played out pretty well. And it does crack me up that Alex Riley showed up and got absolutely no nothing like on the mic.
1: No, Riley like, didn't talk. Riley just ran out to try to kick the Miz's ass, and then that was it.
0: Yeah, and I then remember, and then Del Rio shows up.
1: Which also I wonder like why'd he wait? Because the Miz was the first man out and Riley was the sixth.
0: Yeah. And like
1: he wait no I
0: Maybe he was just, like, really far backstage, and he's like, oh, shit, that's my cue, and was, no, like, no, no, dashing no. all the way.
1: Or he, was, or he was just really polite, and was like, he, he realized that the other four men wanted to right. talk, so he's like, I will just let them say their pieces, and then well, I will attack.
0: I don't want to be a bother, but, but like, if you guys could finish up so I could kick the Miz's ass, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I just, oh, oh, boy, I just pulled out a David special right there. Um yeah. Um... um but but uh, i mean yeah the the most fun part was getting to see their personalities on display beforehand again the motif of the episode being it's all about the talking today baby yeah, it's
1: not it's not the matches aren't important today yeah right? i mean, pay, I mean pay- pay-per-views on sat pay-per-views on sunday buy it we nobody cares about the rest this of is
0: this yet. is i mean this is the setup this is the precursor of course we have to do it this way and i mean again it's a fun parade of 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 um of personalities but mm-hmm. then just when they start fighting there's uh it, that's that's some fighting all right and oh. it, had, it, it had its cool moments but like yeah okay.
1: Oh, by the way, I forgot that they did a. They set up another match on the show that was seemingly not written in beforehand. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this. It's so okay. the only scripted match on this show was the Divas. Oh yeah, no! The only, the only match that seemingly was set up before the show started was the Divas match.
0: Ah, kill me! That was the
1: only thing on the whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, so they, they do this backstage skit where, like, Vicky is trying to, like, coach Dolph into making the absolutely insane pitch of, what if you fired CM Punk and John Cena? <laughs> so that, wait, so wait, that which Dolph- I also
0: worth to point out, like, at this point in the episode, like, they're like, they're like, uh, uh McMahon is on his way because he's been challenged to a Yeah, the
1: what said is that he was on his way. Yeah. So they're like he's coaching him up. So so because the idea being that Dolph Ziggler is the United States champion. So if CM Punk is fired, then Dolph Ziegler is the top champion left. And, and the the
0: like the punchline of this skit is apparent from the moment it starts. Right. I, so
1: like but eventually it devolves into like making jokes about Vince McMahon. Yeah, it was, it was, it, was it
0: was Vicky Dolphin. Who's the Oh yeah,
1: Drew McIntyre shows up. They don't really introduce him at all, but he is he at this he's he shows up too to also do make some do some you know bad impressions and make some jokes. And then of course they do what exactly what you expected them to do, where Vince McMahon slowly comes up behind Vicky and Vicky so but Vicky doesn't see it, so she keeps doing the jokes, but Dolph and Drew see her, see Vince, and so they stop. And Although
0: they point it up in a really dumb way, like like because because Dolphin and and, and Drew just kind of like freeze and but like not not very like noticeably. And like we don't see Vince approaching until he like gets on screen. Like Oh yeah,
1: like 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 they they don't they don't like let it linger that Vince is there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the worst version of this visual gag ever. And yeah. from like the most predictable the fact that it's gonna be the punchline. Like why?
1: But anyway, so like I'm kinda like like how did Vince hear any of that? Any of what they were saying? Because <laughs> he's yeah. not there until he gets there. But but basically he 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 does ben shows up and then he they do the thing where they're like where vicky's like nervous it's like did he hear me and then like he makes it he references the gags they were doing it's like yeah he heard you and so he sets up another handicap match two in one episode y'all um of drew mcintyre and dolph ziggler versus the big show which is significant because the big show has been off tv for two weeks as i mentioned before and the the, that handicap match is okay like okay to cycle back to times i'm more okay with a handicap match is the big show being involved because the big show is so gigantic Compared to everybody else, I'm more willing to suspend my disbelief on this one. That yeah, he could beat two guys,
0: and we have a messy ending in this one. And though. and We're the match and the, and
1: the ending doesn't and the match doesn't matter. Like he beats the shit out of him, and then eventually he chases Drew McIntyre up the ramp, and it ends in a double count out. But that's not really emphasized because it's not important. Where Dr- Big Show straight up tries to like slam Drew McIntyre into like the stage at the stage like setup yeah until mark henry just comes trucking out of nowhere boom, <laughs> and, and knocks big show and himself off the stage and into. i i made fun of it because they land on a blatant crash pad but i'm okay with that because you know safety it's, yeah <laughs> And I don't really think that detracts from the, oh, holy shit. The
0: great (laughs) visual of Mark Henry stampeding in
1: and just yeeting Big Show. Off the stage. Again! (laughs) Yeah, and that... And like they, we have this. We had the long, drawn out segment, a, long, a, pr- a relatively long, uh, drawn not as drawn out as Santa Claus, mind you. Yeah. But a long, a little long, of like the EMTs and the referees coming down to like check on both guys and try to like get a medical help. And and Mark Henry ends up. We get it. We do end up seeing Mark Henry walk off under his own power.
0: Yeah. Uh, but it, but like all that mattered was the cool visual in that of just continuing the the, the Henry Big Show feud. And it's it, a whole it, lot of.
1: Really big dudes slamming into each other violently. And as much as I kind of hate to admit
0: this, that's just kind of cool on its own. I know, like, I'm not going to lie. Basic, but it's so much fun because they're such good physical performers and uh, I love it.
1: Mm-hmm. Good times.
0: God, yeah, no. It, it, that that was like the one time this episode uh, that we had really effective silent storytelling just because we already know like the history between the two of them, and again because their physicality is both so so on point that we that so much is communicated with just just movement, just like uh, physical expression, um, which was a nice little shakeup. Again, probably added to how cool it felt in the moment. Um, and 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 yeah, I, I just I, I just love me some Mark Henry. Mm. Yeah, Mark,
1: uh, the Mark Henry it, when he at his best is a delight
0: yeah no um so so it's just kind of astounding how I, and again it's a lead up to a pay-per-view so of course but like this is the first episode we watched where like none of the fighting matters none of it not a nothing, single nothing. fucking match matters
1: and we're and, and like weirdly enough like you said earlier but weirdly enough i'm okay with i was okay with it
0: Yeah, well, because because this isn't like that's not a common thing for them to do, Um, and it's sparing enough that instead of being like like why are why are we wasting so much time talking on a wrestling show even though I love like talking on Mm -hmm. my wrestling shows believe believe you me, um, (laughs) um, it 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 it's it's such a rare occurrence that it feels just kind of like a nice change of pace because, again, the alternative under Vince McMahon's 2010's WWE is just all of the fucking filler mm-hmm. uh, that just drags on and means nothing. Uh, at least mm-hmm. here, we had, like, again, it's kind of like what we talked about in our very first episode. of There's kind of like that through line of the plot throughout the episode that kind of, like, stays uh, stays and stays mm-hmm. perfect. Um, uh, but also, like, the, the that beginning and that main event took up so much time and also kinda of so much energy mm-hmm. that it kinda of made up for the fact that that all the fighting was a whole lot of nothing. Um yep. and, and 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 even kind of made it more entertaining than if we had like fight based um fight based storytelling more in this episode because yeah. again uh, this the way they were doing the talking is was so unprecedented for the time that you just kind of get wrapped up in that.
1: Yeah, like, like CM Punk, John Cena, and Vince McMahon are are, are shining stars in an otherwise mm-hmm. kind of mediocre episode. Yeah. And so, like, they almost kind of shine brighter from being the only things in this episode really worth going out of your way to see. And I would definitely recommend going out of your way to see, to check out this kind of, the kind of, the work those three men were doing in this episode.
0: Absolutely. I mean... punk continues to be a favorite character of mine i need to like kind of go through and create a ranking of some of my favorites because i've i i have characters that have like mm-hmm. been been becoming my favorites over the course of this this show um punk is definitely one of them for really good reason um it was kind of fun to have to to to, to um not like cena in this episode if only for the kind of contrast of like dang i really like him in like the work he does now so it's kind of cool to go back to a time where that yeah 2021
1: john cena is well liked both in and out of wrestling at this point yeah uh, again for good reason yeah for absolutely good reason don't get me wrong so so like it is sometimes can feel a little trippy to go back to like 2011 and before where like cena is not nobody cares about him outside of wrestling not really Mm -hmm. and in wrestling dude is the most hated top good guy wwe has ever had
0: yeah and then and then we just and then uh for our third player we just have an excellent use of your vince mcmahon uh Mm -hmm. not not too overstated not too overblown just a really good kind of avatar of of hate but also uh not not so much so that he is like the clear-cut bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. it's Vince McMahon feels like at his most effective um uh, like okay, uh, m- on one hand, it's very validating to see Vince McMahon be the clear-cut bad guy and just see everybody shit on him constantly. I love mm. that. I, yep. I I can never get enough of that. But that being said, it's a really interesting angle and one that I'm really glad I got to see of everybody here kind of sucks. And this kind of goes beyond just mcmahon bad and that makes wwe bad like no y'all are kind of y'all are kind of egomaniacs and that's the point of why we watch this but this kind of threw into a fun stark contrast of like we don't usually tend to acknowledge this and here Mm -hmm. we are kind of taking the stance of of hey all your faves are problematic deal with it i guess
1: Punk is much more self-centered than he uh, than he usually let than he tries to let on sometimes. And, mm-hmm. C- and Cena is an is absolutely up his own He's ass. He's an
0: imperious ass. And then and of, and of course there's just McMahon being the unhinged power hungry megalomaniac who can't handle the fact that he's getting, he's getting a taste of his own fucking medicine
1: Mm -hmm. that he, that like punk for as much as punk was, was laying on these ridiculous demands. He could get away with it because punk has a point that, you know, he true that he is a real threat here. And Uh, especially,
0: especially after
1: he's, he's not wrong that, you know, if, if he were to win the title and leave, then then Vince McMahon looks like an asshole, and it looks like a buffoon for somehow not uh, not having a, a got your WWE champion under contract. And so, what choice does then does McMahon necessarily have than to let Punk get whatever he wants? So both guys are contractually, you know, under are ready to go,
0: and especially. The week after we spent we spent an episode talking about the Montreal screw job, mm-hmm. seeing McMahon in that position where he's been even if it's completely fictional, even if, you know, this uh, obviously all scripted and staged. The fact that A, there's a little bit of an inkling of truth to that, and B, we're getting to see kind of a physical representation of of man getting put into a position that his slimy ass cannot weasel out of is admittedly really gratifying to watch.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So, so like this episode was a great highlight of, of the WWE writers room at its writeriest. (laughs) And I'm glad we watched it because I love me some CM Punk. Summer of Punk so far has been great. Um, And it is, fun to see the writers play meta in a pretty smart way. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, especially after again, a week, a uh, week where we talked about the nineties, the Vince Russo era, where whether or not the, the meta worked was a lot more hit or miss.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, utterly gratifying. Yeah. Um, so, so, so overall, this was in a way, an underwhelming episode, but in another way, uh, absolutely worth every second we sat through to get to those really sweet parts mm-hmm. um, that of, of seeing everybody's personalities come out in full swing. Everybody's an asshole. Welcome to the fun of the, of, of our world.
1: Yeah. I, I think I, I agree with that summation.
0: Mm-hmm. Delightful.
1: Yeah. And so what are we going to do next time?
0: Yes. Lay it on me. Give me that. preview. All right, baby. Well,
1: Let's see here. Um, I, I, I need to use uh, some lyrics. Le- I need to pull up some lyrics again.
0: Oh, I, no. Wilson's got another poem for us, y'all. Strap in. All
1: right. Uh, people try to put us down talking about my generation. Just because we get around to some bad wrestling, talking about the new generation. Oh my God. Uh... We, we are going. To to Monday Night Raw in only its second year in existence, May 1994, for the start of a new storyline that I'm kind of keeping under wraps right now. Because I want to see, I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of trolling David a little bit here in that I want to see David's genuine reaction when he realizes what this story beat is.
0: Oh no. (laughs) the storyline is. Oh no!
1: It is infamous. This is an infamous storyline of this period of time.
0: Oh, you piece of shit! Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. I like okay. That that I still have no idea like what this could possibly be. But I I know I know why you're doing this, and that's because it's exactly. really it's really funny to see to 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 see me react negatively in a big way to things that i really hate and I, you just want to milk me for that content you devious yes. ass
1: yes i feel like we twist has been 12 episodes of me you know whether we succeed or we not i'm trying to show you good wrestling here oh screw no. that let's let's delve into the bad oh. and i'm trying to show the bad oh. We're going to the 94. We're going to the new generation.
0: I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I, oh no. Don't you do this to me, Austin. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. All
1: right, Ty, let's go to the plugs. <laughs> All
0: right, I'll brace myself. Jesus Christ. All right. My friends, my dear, dear friends, thank you all once again for listening to our humble little podcast. We hope you had a good time. We know we definitely did. Uh, If you want to keep listening to us, if you've just stumbled upon us for the first time uh, or if you've somehow forgotten uh, how to how to continue to access our episodes, um, you can find us in four very wonderful places. You can find our podcast on YouTube. You can find our podcast on Spotify. You can find our podcast on Apple, and you can find our podcast on Google. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on the on the podcasting platforms. Leave us reviews. You know, comment. Uh, just anything to drive our engagement up. We greatly appreciate it, especially if you're enjoying yourself. You could leave us a nice little review. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. Um, if you want to follow us on socials, uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Noobs and Knox pod that's noobs the letter n knocks pod uh you we can also if you want to reach out to us um uh to kind of give us feedback on the show uh make suggestions ask questions anything like that uh you can email us at our gmail uh noobs and knocks uh noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com uh that's noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com uh as always, thank you so much for for, for tuning in with us uh, and we hope we'll see you again next week.
1: Yep. See you guys next time.
0: Later.